started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Are we alone? If we're not alone, who is here with us and what do they want from us? I recently had an opportunity to be a part of a project with the Hellfire Remote Viewing Group that we just published. You can find it in a variety of spots. Daz Smith has a lot up on his page, remoteviewed.com. It's on his YouTube channel. And I also have similar content on sixcentsmedia.net. With our full debrief of our sessions, we were looking at the UAP, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, or a UFO, commonly referred to as the Tic Tac UFO. This was observed and recorded by U.S. Navy pilots in 2004, made popular in November 2017 as To The Stars Academy launched their debut talking about the existence of these UAPs, claiming, quote, they're not us. Being a part of this group with Hellfire has been an incredible experience for me. And the data on these remote viewing sessions worked by four remote viewers, all tasked blindly, meaning we had no idea what the target was. Uh, the results have given me a lot to ponder. I encourage you to check out the, the YouTube full debrief. We've also published our entire sessions online, so you can go through and analyze the sessions as you see fit to your heart's extent. You can download them. Uh, and try to figure out what's going on. I need to give the disclaimer that remote viewing data is just one type of data, and when you're dealing with information and data, you need to understand it's not perfect, it's not infallible. Just because it's psychic and it's cool and it's exciting doesn't mean it's 100% correct, doesn't mean it's correct at all. Now, we do have elements through this, uh, this project that we worked on of verifiable target contact, meaning the data we brought back, not knowing what the target was, matches some of the known information we have. In addition to that, of the four viewers that worked this target, we have corroborating data. 
meaning this stuff isn't anything we can verify at this point in time. However, several viewers drew the same thing, said the same thing, connected to the same data points. What does it all mean? I'm going to go through some of my session. I'm going to talk about some of the sessions completed by the other viewers because this was a really cool project to be a part of. Um, let's see, the tasking for this target, I'm just going to get right into it, my friends. Um, it was to describe objects in the video referred to as the Tic Tac UAP and describe the origin and propulsion system of the UAP in the video. And we were basically, uh, the tasker's intent was for us to look at the energetics, the technology behind these craft. It was interesting as some of us were going through it, we were saying, oh, we would have loved to see more about the civilization or we'd love to see more about were there any pilots. And But that wasn't the tasker's intent. This was... Um, I think purely a an evidence collecting journey that we went on, and I think it was pretty incredible um, to look at a target like this. Now, for me, going through this session was was one of the most enjoyable remote viewing sessions I've done so far. And again, I'm a newbie. I've got you know, what, two years, one year, two years into this journey now, so I'm still a rookie. Um, but I've I've worked a handful of targets here. Um, and this one by far was was really the most interesting and exciting for me because I felt a real connection to something beyond myself. And here's what's weird about remote viewing data and really any experience we have, I guess. Um almost like a dream now. In the moment when I collected the data. I was present. I was there. I was gathering the data. I was having the experience. But now when I think back on it, it feels like a dream. It feels like, was it my imagination? Uh, and I think that's just a neat thing, uh, part of the process as a remote viewer as you go through these journeys. Um, but what I was so taken by was the energy, the energy connected with this craft, this tic-tac-shaped UFO. And let me give you a little bit of background on this. I know I'm kind of all over the place already, but uh, for those not familiar, I'm reading from an article from time.com. The title of the article is Navy pilot says UFO he saw off California was quote, not of this world. I'm not so sure about that, but we can visit that later. This was December 19th, 2017. Former Navy pilot has opened up about an otherworldly experience. He says he experienced in 2004. Testimony comes just days after the Pentagon officially revealed the existence of a secret office investigating the existence of UFOs. All of you listening most likely know about that at this point in time. Commander Danner, Dan, David Fravor, a former squadron leader who worked as a Navy pilot for 18 years, said on Monday he was on a routine training mission off the coast of California in 2004 when his unit was directed to go and examine strange unidentified objects that were descending from 80,000 to 20,000 feet and then disappearing. Upon flying 60 miles to the location, Favor said he saw a tic-tac-shaped object 40 feet long with no wings just hanging close to the water. In an interview with the Washington Post on Monday, he said it created a disturbance on the water uncharacteristic of a helicopter or plane and moved rapidly. Hearing that, I'm wondering if the energy coming off of this, not like wind energy that we would see from thrust from normal aircraft, was just, I don't know if it was electromagnetic or what, but I just had this energetic field 
all of our data suggested some kind of energetic field around uh, around this craft, around this object. So uh, this link is shared in the show notes at SixthSenseMedia.net. You can read the full article about this. But this pilot, uh, the pilots that were involved in this, talk about the maneuverability of this craft. Um, the craft was moving at speeds that we can't replicate, and no known ally or adversary has the known technology to replicate either. That doesn't necessarily mean what we're dealing with is alien. I know we want to jump and make that conclusion, and it would be pretty cool if it was alien, and I think that's a definite possibility. But we also have to keep in mind, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a breakaway civilization. Maybe it's a secret governmental program, and they are far, way further advanced than we could ever imagine. Now, my data... Uh, I have elements of, uh, and I'm not the only one, uh, possibly something interdimensional, and that's something we don't think or talk about too often, but we have to keep that possibility in mind, uh, which raises so many more questions about our own existence and our reality, which is something I I love to talk about. Uh, But in looking at this data here, um, this was a really... A really profound target here. Uh, let's look at, I'm going to read from the um, PDF that we have published here. The setup here for this, four trained and accomplished remote viewers participated in this project. All were blind to the target. The viewers that worked on this target, Darby, myself, Naeem, and Daz. Coral was our tasker, and she took incredible care to make sure that there was no front-loading of this target. Front-loading means... Um, we didn't have any leading or inclination as to what the target might be. Now, full disclaimer, being the nature of our group, Hellfire, we know we're looking at mysteries targets. But those mysteries targets could be anything from from UFOs, UAPs, to uh, ghosts, to strange anomalies, to urban legends. We, we actually even looked at uh, the cloning of Dolly the Sheep on our last round. So it could be anything, but we know it's going to be something kind of weird or out there or mysterious. But it doesn't mean every target we look at is going to be a UFO target. So we're still, I'm still fairly comfortable saying it's a blind tasking other than we need to be open to that. We could get some weird stuff coming through as we look at this. So in going through my data, I'm going to pull up my session now as as I'm just scrolling through it. Um, It was in the beginning, I was getting about a bunch of low level data as always, and I started getting aesthetic impacts where I'm saying, Hey, I like this. I was just had an aesthetic impact is like, How am I feeling? What are the feelings I'm getting from this target? I liked it, I liked the feeling. Uh, I got an impression of a teacher, it was calm, empowering, healing, it was energized. Uh, And I kept getting this image of a this picture of a teacher, and then I had this sketch that I made and I labeled this sketch as like a giant manta ray it was wise and intelligent now keep in mind there is a remote viewer in me and there is a storyteller in me and as a remote viewer you know we we try to we try to just record the data but our conscious mind still tries to tell a story so that's why I encourage you to look at the raw data yourself because I'm going to tell some of the story but try to ground it down back to the data um, and I'm just going to go through my data, you know, specifically, but in looking at this creature that I drew or this craft, so this could be a, a creature or it could be the bottom of a craft that I'm looking at. Um, that's really what got me connected to this. And I got movement, 
high tones or pitch, and then clean energy and water. Now, these craft, this craft was observed over the ocean. It was fluvy, fluid, wavy, there were ripples, and it had like flappy-like wings I had, which doesn't fit the description of the Tic Tac. Uh, but I, I wonder if there was something else. They, they did say they observed a larger craft underneath the ocean. I'm wondering that's what I saw. Uh, and then I got this phrase in my head, they're watching me. And as I'm saying that now, at first I thought, does that mean that the craft is watching me or the intelligence behind the craft is watching me, the remote viewer? But I'm thinking about this now, and I think what this is, is the intelligence behind the craft recognizing the Navy pilots were watching it. And the craft was saying, they're watching me. And I had another aesthetic impact. I feel calm and peaceful. And then I started getting, uh, I feel this in my gut, my solar plexus, and I really started to connect to energy. And I felt it in my solar plexus area. And this energy was swirling and moving and rotating. And it was this experience. And I, I just got, it was like a galaxy unto itself. And I started to, to glimpse um, a swirling red spiral. And I wrote down that it changes based on frequency. And I thought that it was beautiful. And then it changed to what I perceived as an agitated state. It was a red ball with a bunch of spikes around it, almost like COVID, right? Uh, just a fuzzy light, I called it. It was agitation, stress, relaxation. And I had uh, something about teaching. I feel like I'm being taught or shown something. Like this energy is a basic construct or a thought form. They, the collective, many. So I, I went through and experienced this energy. And this was... This was a really cool experience for me in this is what I was interacting with. And I felt that there was some kind of learning taking place here. Um, and as I, as I went through the session, uh, when I closed it out, I'm going to scroll to what I said at the end. And that's what I want to talk about for a minute. I wrote down the word wisdom given as a gift to profoundly change. But that change and type of change is determined by the user or recipient. It can cause a rise and fall, peace and destruction. They know this, and although it is given, the wisdom is not earned until the event or precipice. The user-determined outcome. It is our choices that drive us and those outcomes that teach us. Wisdom facilitates that process, but what is given is only the shell of what it will become as it is nurtured and cultivated by the user. That was very profound for me. And I, I, I was, in my mind, I, now that I think about it, if you've ever seen the movie, spoiler alert, read the book, or seen the movie Sphere, by the, based on the book by, I believe it was Michael Crichton. Dustin Hoffman is one of the actors, and Samuel L. Jackson's in the movie as well. Um, wow, this is very similar now that I'm thinking about it. They find this sphere at the bottom of the ocean. And this sphere interacts with their consciousness and gives them the ability to manifest things into their own reality. And it just starts to destroy them. And I'm wondering if the things that I've been exploring on this show, the things that I've been talking about, the development of things like the metaverse the exploration we did into the Roswell tech, is that the gift? Is this energy and this technology, 
is that the gift that we will be up to us how we're going to use it? Now, I think about some of the experiences people report, uh, Bob Monroe being one of them in the out-of-body states, how he talks about in his final book, Ultimate Journey, how we move into a reality that closely resembles our belief system. So a Catholic will go to a Catholic afterlife, a Hindu person will go to a Hindu afterlife, a Muslim person will go to a Muslim afterlife, because our consciousness either shapes that reality or is drawn to that reality that is already constructed. Now, is it constructed by the the grand architect or is it constructed by our collective unconscious or our collective consciousness? I don't know. I think these are all important questions that we didn't get into in the data because that's not what the data was targeting. But these are things that these thoughts that are coming to me as I, as I think about this project and, and what it could mean. Uh, if this wisdom is really that kind of a gift and we have that power, I look at the world today, I look at the possibility that we're in this interactive matrix reality and that collectively we're more powerful than the individual, which could account for the reason why things like the media have the threads that they do, the negative output that it does, because it drives human thought and perception, which then drives our intention and belief, which then causes us to manifest our own reality. I know that sounds crazy. It's just a thought that I'm exploring here. But if this energy, this technology is somehow related to that, then maybe these craft and the backstory behind it and the story of their future is all being written in the present moment, meaning that past, present, and future is in a constant state of flux because we are determining the narrative as to what this is and what this means. And that's a heavy statement to make. It's an awesome power to yield if we have that power or if we're given that power. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to find that balance of guiding ourselves through it in a way that gives us, I don't even I don't want to say gives us what we want, that benefits us, that is the most optimal for growth. Maybe I should word it that way. Because if we take it to a negative place and say, oh, it's evil, it's of the devil, it's of the evil aliens, then we're going to consciously or unconsciously manifest that backstory. If we take it to a positive place, then maybe we'll manifest that story of, you know, the benevolent space brothers. If we take it somewhere in the middle, maybe we'll get Star Wars. I, I don't know, but it's a thread that, that came to me as a result of, uh, of this session when I did it. That energy that, that maybe evolves based on the user. So it may be a question of, are you worthy to use that energy? All right, so my next session, well, actually, as a part of that first session still, the other piece to that that we talked about in the YouTube video but didn't explore in great detail was the civilization. Now, several of us had sketches of pyramids and of an underground structure, like into the side of a mountain. Now, I know my impressions of this culture of this civilization didn't feel like a regular traditional earth-based civilization. It could have been, again, 
There's a storyteller in me. There's AOL. Now there's bias. Now that I'm exploring it and thinking about it, the data itself, I drew a castle or a structure up on a mountain with a river running next to it. And then I drew a group of people or light, I say a group of life forms standing outside of it. And the impression I got was there was a, an ebb and flow cycles of, of hardship and, and like a golden age on the planet. And these people had, I was experiencing a time when they had to leave wherever they were, they had to go to the next place. And it wasn't sad, but it was just not as upbeat, I guess, as life traditionally was for them. Uh, That's the best way I can explain it. It was like, okay, the bad times are coming. It's time for us to go. So I got a glimpse of this and it felt, it felt like a fairy tale. It felt Elvish or Lord of the Rings type of feeling, a very uh, smart, advanced society that was just moving on. They were moving their whole society because the change was coming. Maybe they were going inner earth. Maybe they were going off planet. I didn't get an off planet feel, but I don't know where they were going, but they were somehow connected to this technology that I was experiencing. And that was a really neat thing for me to see uh, and, and to witness. And that's how I ended my first session. So I gave the session another go, uh, probably a few weeks later. Um, Coral's initial intention was to just give us one tasking because she didn't want to lead us uh, or guide us or front load us with her biases as she asked us questions. But she liked the data so much, she gave, she gave us a retasking. And every viewer got something different based on the data we brought back. And mine was simply to explain the energy that I had um, written about, just explain it in more detail, and to describe the sketch of that manta ray thing that I talked to you about. And you can see all of these sketches again uh, on the YouTube video or at sixcentsmedia.net. I have my uh, all the sessions up there, plus the other viewers. Um, but my first sketch, I drew like the upper half. I drew half of, a, of the Tic Tac. I drew this uh, oblong shape, and I had a green energy field around it like an aura and i heard these like energetic sounds around it that was pretty cool um and the center of it was very pleasurable that's the only way i can explain it almost like i felt guilty when i tried to experience the center of this craft or of this energy and i had it listed as a harbinger or a messenger and it made me feel happy i liked this energy uh but then i moved into uh, some other glimpses that I got. And the first thing I saw was, was this grayed out pyramid again with that green energy glowing around it. And the pyramid was missing a capstone, but I started getting themes of like doorway or entryway gatekeeper. Um, and, and this was curious to me because I was, I was getting this, imp- these impressions that there were two realms that were existing here. Now, it's curious and note, worth noting that I was seeing something in grayscale and something in color. And I had a drawing of um, what I called it a window in the sky or a great, like a, just this, this rip. Um, so I saw a sky, but then I saw like a hole in the sky and another dimension through it. And everything in that other window was gray. Now, good feedback when you look at the targeting screen of the fighter pilot's aircraft it's this tiny little window and it's got this like black and white grayscaled screen and you watch these UAPs, you know, flying around over the ocean. So maybe again, 
That's what's neat about remote viewing. Maybe um, that's what I saw, but then my conscious mind starts creating this elaborate story about two dimensions. Uh, However, other viewers talked about the possibility of multidimensionality. Now, we do have two dimensions when we're looking at a computer screen versus the pilot's cockpit. I mean, those are two separate dimensions. It doesn't mean the other one is a separate world unto it itself. But that's the interesting thing to me, and I want to explore that possibility with the disclaimer of that doesn't mean that it's fact. That doesn't mean that is that is exactly what we're dealing with here. But I had these themes of doorway, entryway, gateway, uh, and like I was seeing into this world, and I was seeing these structures with these pyramid structures, like a step pyramid, like the Mayan pyramids, with energy around them and then a beam of energy coming into the top. Now, what's curious about this is I believe two other viewers drew something very similar. So to me, that gives it credibility that we're drawing similar pyramid-type structures with the energy coming into it. And I had this labeled as somewhere in Mesoamerica. And it was, and this energy, um, I, at first I thought, okay, the energy is coming into the building and then radiating outwards. But then I also got the impression that the building itself, the structure, let me, excuse me, let me use correct terms here, was drawing energy up out of the ground. And I I thought maybe like out of the earth's ley lines, it was drawing energy out of the ley lines. And, um, and that's what was causing this beam to shoot upwards for what purpose? I don't know. Uh, was it charging the structure or was it the other way around? But it was also as if the structure existed in one dimension and the energy existed in another dimension. Now, this could also account for the energy that was moving this tic-tac UFO. The energy could have come from one dimension and moved this thing around. Now, how else could we interpret that? If these things are drones, remotely piloted, you could have an operator from somewhere else, maybe through subspace or psychic means, controlling the movement of these craft or of these energetic things for i didn't sense uh, a life form inside it but parts of these craft or these things felt intelligent which was really cool so i i've got like these two dimensions playing in and out and one accounts for like a one dimension is just sending energy into the other one and we can go down a whole bunch of rabbit holes i mean my, my first thought is of the loosh and i know i'm biased towards you know archons and energy parasites and all that stuff I'm keeping that out of this discussion. I just want to acknowledge it because it's something that's of interest to me. Um, I didn't get any Archon stuff. Um, however, other viewers did get data that is consistent with some of the darker ET abduction stuff. Mutilated bodies, experimentation on people, um, and genetic and DNA alteration and manipulation. So are we dealing with another civilization? That, that's what I'm, I'm leaning towards. Based on the data, there is another civilization. I don't know if it's alien. I don't know if it's a breakaway civilization. I don't know if it's an older inner earth civilization, uh, interdimensional. I have no idea what it is. What the data suggests is that something affiliated with these craft has engaged in some kind of experimentation on life forms, possibly humans. It doesn't mean it's true. Uh, but that's a possibility. But, and then I had this theme again of energy coming from one location going to another. And again, it felt like one dimension into another. 
uh, and connections to the heart energy. And I had a lot of spiritual stuff that there were these spiritual moments. And I think, I think this energy is tied into consciousness and spiritual energy and spiritual understanding. I think to access this energy, it, it goes beyond just pushing a button, clicking a mouse, and using technology. I think this energy is, as we would explain it, spiritual in nature. But I think from the right perspective, we could explain it through scientific means. Uh, it interacts with the energetic systems that exist within our own bodies, um, if that makes sense here. It was a really um, thought-provoking experience. And at the end of my second session, I encountered these little sparks. And now when you look at images of these UFOs, the little sparks that I drew match what was observed on the fighter pilot's screens. Are they one and the same? I don't know, but I also know other viewers drew the same thing. And I had a very, um, I enjoyed my experience, my encounter with these, I'll call them entities right now, these sparks. They were curious, they were moving very fast, uh, and they were intelligent. And when I probed to try to find out what do they do, what's their purpose, it was as if they were there to learn. They penetrate, they absorb, but then they, they replicate. So they, it was like they learned in one area, and so I had this, this impression of these little sparks just flying around an object and learning everything and like basically downloading all the data and then going to this other location, the other realm, the other dimension, the other world, whatever it is, and replicating it, making a copy of it. Um, it was it was a really neat experience to have, and I just wrote that it was it was a mystery of awe and wonder, and and I, I had a sense of like a magical or advanced civilization connected to it. Um, so I, I'm I want to again give the caveat I'm sharing my data here. Um, I'm not going to go through and share the other viewers' data. You can watch the full sessions for that. They did an excellent job uh, in what they brought back, and there's corroborating points among all of us that I think lends a lot of credibility to this project. Um, my purpose for this podcast is really getting it out there to explore all those other what-if fantasies that I have, because it's fun for me and I, I gain some growth from that. So talking about this other society, talking about the possibility of another dimension and this intelligent energy right now a lot of that is is my imagination i'm taking a data set and i'm extrapolating on that and i always think that's a healthy exercise to do to play what if to be creative and see because it could be right but it also could be way wrong but either way that just helps me to learn and to process as i look at this and i think is this possible is this not possible and it just helps me in my journey uh, i just need to give that caveat um but in exploring that, you know, what if this energy is neither good nor bad? It's just like the gift of fire, and what we do with it is is up to us. Um, who is this other realm, if they exist? Who or what is this intelligence that's piloting these craft? Are you listening to my show right now? Are you tracking the work that we do? Do you view us as a threat? Uh, you know, all of these questions come to mind for me. Uh, I don't feel that that's the case here, but I wonder about that stuff. And, and, and where is this leading? 
Where is this leading for me personally as a viewer on my spiritual journey? Where is this leading collectively for us as a society? How does this tie into the current events happening in the world right now? Not just with the UFO, UAP, ET, alien disclosure journey that we're on, but with things, with changes to our, to our economy, as we talk about with cryptos, to changes to our society and our structure, to our health, to our whole system of government, to as we move into the realm of the metaverse, are we, is this all connected? That's what I want to know. And if it is connected, why? Are we looking at, we had evidence or we had elements and data points of genetic manipulation. We've looked at targets previously. We've done shows previously. I've written about it. The, the ancient gods, the Anunnaki, the people who came here and seeded this planet or altered the species, the Adamite species or the Adam, Adamu, I forget how to say it, but the, in the Garden of Eden. They took man, they altered his DNA and made him into something else so he would better serve the gods. Are we dealing with that same race, that same species? And if so, where does that leave us? What does that tell us about who we are and our purpose? Can we change that purpose? Do we have the power to? Does it matter if we have the power to? Can we take that functionality? All right, I feel like I just threw uh, more questions and explanations here at all of you uh, on this one, but I think it's important to explore these questions and let them sit and fester. And, and I know that the data from this experience, it'll be one that I, I ponder for a long time and will probably evolve in my mind and my understanding um, over time as I get more pieces to this puzzle and to this mystery. But it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, it, it's remote viewing, as I've as spoken about before um, on my YouTube channel. It's a really neat journey. It's, it's that mental martial art, but it's a, it's a serious discipline. It's something that, that I take very seriously. It, it, changes, it changes a lot about how you operate, how you think, how you view the world, and it's constantly evolving. And, and again, I say that as somebody with very limited experience as a remote viewer, um, in just the short amount of time I've been doing it, that's the journey I've been through. And then to, to have the honor to work with uh, the, the people I get to work with, with the members of the Hellfire group, um, you know, I'm just so humbled and thankful to, to be a part of this experience. So this was a really fun target. Uh, I, I'm, I've learned a lot from it and it's given me a lot to think about that I'm sure will filter into future podcasts as I watch things unfold in the news and maybe can connect them back to some of these data points. So uh, I invite you, I encourage you to check out the full discussion. It's about an hour and 20 minutes long on YouTube. You can find the links at sixcentsmedia.net. It'll be in the show notes. Um, you'll see it there for this one, the Tic Tac UFO Nimitz. Um, and, and look at the full sessions. Again, you can download them right there from the website as well. And I'd love to hear your feedback uh, on what you think of the data, because it's, um, it's a curious one, but this is one of the UFO targets that has a lot of verifiable data, which we were able to connect with, which I think gives this project a lot more um, punch and credibility. So I'm going to leave it there, my friends. I'm keeping this podcast short just because I wanted to get my thoughts out there on this.
All right, last plug. If you haven't done so already, check out my book, I Am Human, Food for the Archons. You can find it at sixcentsmedia.net and on amazon.com. That project will greatly support what I'm doing here. Your contribution to that is greatly appreciated, so thank you very much. If you read it, please consider writing a review. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend.